Well, good morning, church family. And if this is your first Sunday here at Windsor Road, I want to just extend a warm welcome to you uh, uh, here at the church. I'm Randy, and I'm privileged to be the lead minister here at Windsor Road. Well, several years ago, the London Times told a story about a woman named Maria Bruner. Maria Bruner, uh, married to an unemployed husband. They had three feisty children. Maria Bruner worked tirelessly cleaning houses to make ends meet. Her husband, well, he racked up the equivalent of $5,000 worth of unpaid parking tickets. And he didn't tell her. And her name was on the title of the car. And they lived in Germany. And that made her legally responsible. Maria couldn't pay the fine, so her husband had to cough up the cash or else she was going to spend three months behind bars. What was Maria's reaction? I'm ready. Let's go. My husband is allergic to work. My kids are out of control. I've had enough scraping a living for the family. As long as I get food and a hot shower every day, I don't mind being sent to jail. I can finally get some rest. No kidding. The police reported that when they went to arrest Maria, quote, she seemed really happy to see us. <laughs> and repeatedly she thanked us for arresting her. And while most people taken into custody hide their heads in shame, not Maria, she smiled and waved as she was driven off to jail. <laughs> True story. Interesting, isn't it, that it took a law to give her rest. Well, today we're going to look at a law that was given to ancient Israel codifying rest. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to the Old Testament book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. If you're new here, we're in a series through the book of Exodus, and we're in a series within a series where we are looking at the Ten Commandments. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the fourth commandment, the commandment that speaks about the importance of resting, the Sabbath command. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or female servant, your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is God's word. Now, I just want to make some observations about this fascinating fourth commandment. And I've got a list here uh, for you. Um, the first observation is, you know, this is the longest of the Ten Commandments by word count. I just found that to be interesting. It's the first positively stated commandment. So up to now, there's been thou shalt not, but this is a thou shalt. The fourth commandment, the Sabbath commandment, is the most cited of the Ten Commandments 
in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. And its origins go back to Genesis chapter 1 with the cycle of creation, six days, and then God ceased or rested on the seventh. And then even in the book of Exodus, prior to Israel receiving these ten commandments, the Sabbath principle was in play as God had instructed Israel to collect the food that he sent from heaven called manna. You can spend the first six days collecting food. On the sixth day, get enough for day six and day seven because there won't be any on day seven. And some had to learn that the hard way. Uh, the Sabbath command is the one religious day not tied to the moon. You see, um, the other religious days in Israel's uh, culture were connected to the cycle of the moon, the new moon or the full moon. But this was not, meaning that Israel had to be intentional about keeping track. So they had to be deliberate. And then the last distinctive that I want you to see is that the Sabbath command, it is unparalleled in history. That is to say, no one, no culture, no nation on earth had a day of rest prior to the Hebrews. And some scholars have tried to peg Israel's Sabbath to other nations to no avail. Exodus 20, 8 through 11, is unique in the history of the world, which made this countercultural, which makes this significant for us. Because I don't have to tell any of you of our crazy, busy, 24-7 culture. I heard about a woman from another culture who came to the United States and began to introduce herself as busy. And why did she say this? Well, it was the first thing she heard whenever she met an American. Hello, I'm busy. And she figured that was just a part of our traditional greeting. And so that's what she told everyone she met, but that's who she was. Against the raging river of crazy busy, God invites us to rest. So what I want us to do today as we look at Exodus chapter 20 is I want us, I want us to first see what this commandment meant to those who first received it. So I want to talk about the Sabbath and Israel. And then I want us to learn about how Jesus understood the Sabbath. And what did the Sabbath reveal about Christ? How did he practice the Sabbath? And then I want us to talk about us. Um, and, and I want us to see what this command can look like in our world. This is a Christian church. We're Christians. We're in Christ. So I want us to see the Sabbath no longer as a legal statute, but rather a timeless principle, a gift from our loving Savior. So the Sabbath in Israel, the Sabbath in Jesus, and the Sabbath in us. That's where we're going this morning. And, and let me just pause to tell you really why this matters. And please hear me. Um, there was a mom's group that was once discussing this Sabbath command, and they began talking about their seven-day-a-week schedule and the pressures that they feel about keeping countless 
balls in the air and they drive their kids to activities and they keep the home front clean and fix meals and shop for food and clothes and toys and school supplies and try to give their children a significant amount of undivided attention and many work part and full time outside the home and they multitask continually continuously and it's exhausting and, and they 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 read this command and they uh, they learned from the words of Christ and one of the moms said this I didn't know I was allowed to rest. Now, what is going on in our culture that a mother with young children believes she's supposed to be active and productive every minute? Why is it scary to think about stopping and slowing down from all this relentless activity? Why do we feel like we need to justify our existence by constant motion? Why would we think that we're not allowed to rest. Brothers and sisters, here's the word today. This is the big idea. It's what I want you to get if you don't get anything else. Here it is. R-E-S-T. Rest. Rest. For the Sabbath is Jesus' invitation to enjoy Him. The Sabbath is a call to rest. Rest. From the Christ who is our rest. The Sabbath is an invitation to enjoy Christ and be with Christ together. Rest. Well, let's first talk about the Sabbath and Israel. These words would have been a welcome gift to Israel because in Egypt there was no time off, work was relentless. Israel slaved for a pharaoh uh, who drove them 24-7 so that he could stay on top of his pyramid. And when they weren't making bricks, they had to gather straw. And it was an economic system of frantic productivity led by a panic-stricken pharaoh. If you were to go back and look at Exodus chapter 1, you would see a paranoid pharaoh who out of fear kept Israel at work for the purpose of controlling them, he feared they might revolt even though they were unarmed. He feared being outnumbered, so he ordered infanticide, though it would eventually eliminate his labor force. Fear drove Pharaoh's economy of frantic productivity. No rest. And they knew that for 430 years. That was their life. But now... Yahweh, the true God of heaven and earth, nullifies that system of anxious production. He rescued his people from Egyptian slavery, brought them through the miracle of the Red Sea, carried them to Sinai, and constituted them as a nation. No longer is there to be a system of anxious production. There are now limits to how much and how long Israel may produce. And the Sabbath will set those limits. For every Sabbath will stop the manufacturing cycle. It'll just push the pause button. And by keeping the Sabbath, Israel will also break the cycle of anxiety. For God is inviting His people into peaceful rest. 
The Sabbath is teaching Israel that life is not about frantic production and selfish consumption that then reduces everybody else to a competitive threat. On the Sabbath, think about it. You don't have to do more. You don't have to sell more. You don't have to control more. You don't have to know more. You don't have to have your kids in ballet or soccer. You don't have to be younger or more beautiful. You don't have to score more. You don't have to meet the expectations of your mother or your work or your boss or your broker or anyone else on earth. You're not a slave. You're not a slave. You can rest. All of you. All of you. The Sabbath was Israel's um, uh, equalizer. And everyone would observe the Sabbath. Citizen, immigrant, animal. Every seven days, Israel observed a day that recognized the equal worth and equal value and equal freedom and equal rest of all. And whether you were on the job for a month or 40 years, see, everybody got that day. It was a gift from God. Isn't he good? Verse 8 says, remember the Sabbath day. Why remember? Why that verb, remember? Because Moses knows that prosperity breeds amnesia. At that moment, they're at Sinai. They're in the desert. At that moment, there's no corn, soybean, apples, pumpkins. God's going to have to come through for them or they're going to die. And they have no choice except to trust. So the Sabbath was a discipline whereby God conditioned his people. God said, one of these days, you're not going to be in the desert. One of these days, you're going to have your own land. You're going to be a strong nation. One of these days, you're going to have cities and stuff. And I'm, I'm giving you this. One of these days, you're going to be prosperous. And I want you to know that with that will come the temptation to forget because prosperity breeds amnesia. And the Lord says, I don't want that to happen. So I'm going to build into your schedule a day that will remind you that everything that you have and everything that you are comes from my, my gracious hand. Verse 11, for in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Look at that phrase, all that is in them. You see that? I looked at that in the Hebrew. The Old Testament comes to us by way of the Hebrew. You know what that means in the original Hebrew? It means all that is in them. Everything. Why do I have food? God made it. Why do I have a job? God made it. Why do I have a family? God made it. Of talents? God. Children? God. Spouse? God. God, God, God. God's the source. God made everything. I'm not the source. God's the source. So God wants me to suspend kingdom work, which is good. Which is good. But he wants me every seven days to suspend 
kingdom work so that I can remember the kingdom maker. Now, what's it mean that God rested there? And he rested on the seventh day. Does that mean he was tired? No. It means that he was satisfied with his work. It means he was satisfied enough to declare it good. Very good. His rest means that he wants to stand back and enjoy it and savor it. Wow. This turned out really well. I mean, can I cook or what? I mean, he's very pleased with this. Very pleased. John Walton is an Old Testament scholar who says that we miss the point of the Sabbath if we simply think of it compartmentally. You know, six days of doing what I want to do and then I got to give God the day that he wants. No, no, no. Don't think of it that way. Think of Genesis 1 as if God were building a home. So he's building a home for six days, and then on the seventh day, he moves in with us. In other words, a new reality is occurring. God takes up residence in his temple with his creation, including the pinnacle of creation, humans, his image bearers. You see, God is a, God's a temple dweller. And all throughout the Bible, we can see echoes of God dwelling in a temple. For instance, in Genesis, he dwells in the garden temple. And then here, he's dwelling at the, the mountain temple. And then later on, we'll read in Exodus concerning the tabernacle. That's a type of temple. And then Solomon's temple. And then Jesus who comes on the scene and says, destroy this temple, thinking of his own body, and in three days I will raise it back up. And now, in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the sending of his Holy Spirit upon his people, who are we? His temple. A holy temple. God is a temple dweller. Meaning God calls us to enjoy him and to enjoy his creation, to enjoy one another. The Sabbath is God's invitation for us to savor him with each other. And it's not just for the upper levels of society, but for all human life, even animal life. The Sabbath is an invitation to enjoy God. And that the gist of it is that we are to rest from our income-producing activity so that we can enjoy Christ. That's the Sabbath in Israel. Now, having said all this, I'm sure some here might be thinking, well, okay, all right, keep the Sabbath. I get that, Pastor. Well, okay, what can and can I do? I need some rules. Well, I understand. And that's not new. Um, and so by Jesus' day, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, had concocted, I kid you not, 1,521 legalistic ways to break the Sabbath. You want rules? The Pharisees will give you rules. So here's one of them. 
If you had a toothache on the Sabbath, you could not gargle with vinegar because that's work. Now, what you can do is you can dip your toothbrush in vinegar and brush your teeth because you've got to brush your teeth anyway. Okay. Uh, you could dip your radish in salt, but you couldn't leave it there too long lest it begin to pickle. And that would be work. And that's a no-no. The Pharisees said, we don't do that. Seriously. You want rules? Uh, in Matthew 12, 1 and 2, it says, At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said, Look! Your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, no, no, no. And he told them about King David in 1 Samuel 21, how David went to one of the priests and asked for bread to feed his troops. And the only bread available was the bread reserved for the priests. And David said, give it to me anyway. We're hungry. And Christ implied then, I mean, are you going to accuse David? Someone greater than David is standing before you right now. Someone greater than the temple is standing before you right now. Matthew 12, 8. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Elsewhere in Matthew chapter 12, uh, Jesus entered a synagogue for worship. For worship. And someone there had a crippled hand and and they ask, you know, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus is going, well, duh. Look, if your sheep fell in a hole, would you not go down and get it? Don't you think this person is worth more in the eyes of God? And Jesus healed the man. See, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And if he wants to heal on the Sabbath, he can heal. If he wants to abolish it, he can abolish it. If he wants to snack wheat with his disciples, he can he has the right to define what can and can't be done on the Sabbath. And Jesus practiced the Sabbath to refresh his body, restore his soul, and reveal his identity. Christ refreshed himself through a rhythm of work and rest and work and rest. And part of that rest involves spending time with and worshiping with people he loved. He spent his Sabbaths showing mercy and doing good and loving God and loving people. And he revealed himself to be the author of the Sabbath who invites us to Sabbath with him. He is our Sabbath. This is why Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you Sabbath. I'll give it to you. Pharaoh will never say that. Pharaoh says, more bricks. Jesus says, more rest. Pharaoh says, never enough. Jesus says, it's enough. It's finished. Pharaoh says, your identity must be achieved. Jesus says, your identity must be received. Pharaoh says, your worth is based on what you do. Jesus says, your worth is based on what I did for you. Now, who are we going to trust? 
A dead Egyptian king or the resurrected king of kings? Who will it be? Rest in Christ occurs beneath the cross where he suffered and died for, for our disobedience. And when we place ourselves beneath the cross, we have rest. For Christ has delivered us from a greater form of slavery, a slavery to sin. And we've been redeemed not by the blood of any lamb, but by the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. And that's why Hebrews 4.3 says, we who have believed enter that rest. Mm. Have you? Have you entered into the only one who can provide the rest that we so desperately need? Well, I do want us to look at some specific questions about the Sabbath and questions that I've had and questions that perhaps some of you might still be asking. And the first is this, well, why do we worship on Sunday? Why do we do that? Why don't we worship on uh, the seventh, on the Sabbath, on, on Saturday, on the Hebrew Sabbath? Why do we worship on Sunday? And the answer is because it was the custom of the New Testament church. In Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it says, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them. That is, Paul preached. And so they gathered for worship and the preaching of the word, and, and they gathered to break bread. We're going to be doing that in a few moments as we remember Jesus in communion. The first day of the week came to be known as the Lord's Day. And why the Lord's Day? Because of the resurrection. The resurrection changes everything. The resurrection proved Jesus' claim to be Lord of the Sabbath. Resurrection Sunday. So in a sense, every Sunday is Easter Sunday. Every Sunday we celebrate our risen King who reigns over heaven and earth. Um, here's an interesting quote from an early church leader from around the year A.D. 100. His name was uh, Ignatius, who wrote, Christians no longer observe the Jewish Sabbath, but direct their lives towards the Lord's Day on which our life is refreshed by Him and His death. Our life is refreshed. So we continue this tradition handed to us from the earliest Christians for our refreshment, for our shared refreshment. Well, of course we can worship on our own individually. And our individualistic, autonomous American culture, in a sense, kind of, kind of exalts that over the community. But... God made us for community. We need one another. And we worship together to remember together that the, that the Bible is the story of God fixing the mess that we've made of the life he's given us. He's repaired and restored this world through the death and burial and resurrection of his son so that we can honor him. That's why we gather. Someone might ask, well, so like has Sunday become the Christian Sabbath, right? And 
my answer is, if you want, seriously, uh, consider Romans 14, 5 and 6. Each, uh, one man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. And then in Colossians 2, 16 and 17, you know, therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. See? These are a shadow of the things to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So the, the, the code, the legal code of Israel's Sabbath has expired for Christians because that points us to Jesus as our true rest. Now, I know the minute I say that, someone will then ask, so, pastor, must I take a day off at all? And, and so, my response is, to say, must I rest one day a week, that's like saying, must I kiss my wife? Well, yeah, but not that kind of a must. And, and why would I want to refuse this gift? Do you think God wants you to work every day of the week and not take time off for family or community or even yourself? I mean, does our hurried, frantic world need hurried, frantic Christians? I heard about a neighbor who once said to a Christian, I'd like to become a Christian, but I just couldn't live at your pace. Now, frankly, my problem, and it's my problem, I don't know if it's yours or not, but my problem is that, you know, often I squander Sabbath rest by trying to squeeze so much into the day that I end up not feeling refreshed, but hurried. Because I've turned the Sabbath into my errand list. Isaiah 58, 13 and 14, spoke to me this week. If you turn your foot, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and a holy day of the Lord honorable if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. And that last sentence resonated with my heart. I will make you ride. I've never emotionally felt that way having completed my errand list. God offers me more. I want to make you, I'm, I'm inviting you for a ride. Now I just need to decide if I want to take it. Jesus kept the Sabbath because it refreshed his body in rest and rejuvenated his soul in worship and revealed his identity in the word. And that's why we need to. And that means that we need to take a break from our income-producing activity one day in seven. And you pick the day. 
For some, your Sabbath day and your day of corporate worship will be the same day. For others, your Sabbath and your day of corporate worship will be two different days. Some of you have to go to work when we're done. Some of you just come from work. Some of you are going to take a nap when we're done. It'll be the most spiritual thing. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And your Sabbath may vary if your work schedule varies. I'm thinking of our medical personnel or our our fire services, uh, our, our police services. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. So notice it says should. Get a conviction about this. Make a decision about this. But here's the deal. Please don't expect 1,521 rules from your pastor about what you can and can't do on the Sabbath. That would not be healthy for either of us. The point is to depend on God by disconnecting from your income-producing activity. Spend time with God. Spend time with His people. Play rest. Can you trust God to help you do seven days worth of work in six days? That's the point. Trust God every week by resting a day a week. And every time you do, you say, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have a job. I wouldn't have a country. I wouldn't have my country's economy. I wouldn't have my life. Are you willing to do that? I know someone might say, well, I don't work that way. You know what? The restaurant company doesn't either. But you try to buy a sandwich at Chick-fil-A today. Try to buy something at Hobby Lobby today. There's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of lost revenue. Is lost revenue important? Is God more important? Is it a great business decision? Is it our decision? If you put God to the test, you might be surprised. And and here's the deal. Here's the deal about, about most of our jobs. The thing that will make you or break you professionally is not how many hours of overtime you work. Your breakthroughs have very little to do with what you can control. Um, you, You can't control the economy. You can't control unexpected meetings or unexpected networking sessions. God controls all of that. And what do you think he might do on your behalf if you say, as much as, as, much as I love what I do for a living once a week, I'm going to declare my dependence on God. And if you've never done this, it'll be hard. I mean, Israel was in that cycle for 430 years. You'll be tempted. Uh, you know, I know you'll see that name on that uh, uh, ID on your phone, and, and you'll be tempted to answer that email, or, or maybe your bills will go up, and, and, and you're going to be tempted to grab the reins. God, are you sure you can handle this? Yes, child, I think I can handle this. And when this becomes a part of your rhythm, And when you show that you trust God every week by taking a day off once a week, and then when you see that he comes through and he provides, then then the Sabbath rhythm will give you a Sabbath heart. And that Sabbath heart will, will help you bring peace into whatever room you walk into. Do you bring peace into whatever room you walk into? Or is it chaos? 
may I love you and just ask you to rest. Rest. And, and, and I will grant, there's, there's a difference between being busy and hurried. Right? So busy is activity. Hurried is a state of heart. The Sabbath discipline keeps us trusting in the God who provides. And when we see Him come through, then we understand why this is commandment number four. Because if God provides for my needs, then why would I ever need to steal? If God supplies, then why would I ever need to covet? When God comes through for me, why would I ever need to work myself to death? When I see God providing, why would I ever need to, why would I ever need to, to, to stay at the office hour and hour and hour on end into the evening where I might have that chance encounter with another employee that would cause me to do something that would displease God? You see how it works? It, it's called a keystone habit. By keeping this, I'm empowered for the good and protected from evil. Why, why would I be driven to those extremes when I've learned this rhythm of trust? And that's why we have the fourth commandment. Now, what are you going to do? Huh? What are you going to do? Here's what I would like for us to do. R-E-S-T. Rest. Trust God, love God, love people, play. And brothers and sisters, give your cell phone a Sabbath too. Okay? Your, your cell phones are exhausted. They're just exhausted, you know that? They need rest. So does your laptop. Hmm. Rest. The Sabbath is Christ's invitation to enjoy Him. Trust God every week by taking time off once a week. Amen.